Hey friends, it's your old pal, Alec Guinness. I come here with a special message today. Originally supposed to appear on this podcast was the great actor and friend of mine, Robert Donnett. However, Robert Donnett has unfortunately, given his uh, advanced uh, age in ghost years, has succumbed to what has been called by my uh, co-ghosts, second death. Now, you may be familiar, of course, with first death. That is where a person dies, they pass on, and then occasionally appears force ghosts to those around them and appear on podcasts. But there is actually a second level of death, uh, proving you can, in fact, die in the afterlife. Robert Donnant, unfortunately, while driving a ghost buggy, ran off a ghost cliff and fell into a ghost ravine. And he died. Again. And quite harder than the first time, so we can't even get in contact with them. Once you've died a second time, you can't come back as a ghost. It's absolutely frowned upon. I, I haven't been able to get in touch with the man since his second death. I did not know that. No, so I send my apologies on behalf of Mr. Donnett, as a friend of his. And I wish you all the best in propagating this format that will surely die within five to seven years. Goodbye. Well, that was what? That was, uh, that was something. That was something. What did he say about five to seven years? Like, are, are we wasting our time with this thing? Does he have some knowledge we don't? His ghostly future ghost knowledge? You know what? I think podcasts, like all technology, will stagnate and stay exactly the same. Maybe. We can only hope. We can only hope that everything stagnates and nothing ever changes here on Four Screen and, and country. country. But today, Brendan. Today! We have a film to discuss as we do every week. Do we? Yes, we do. Okay. We should we should say that this is a podcast where we talk about the British Film Institute top 100 top 100 British films of all British time. British. In the in the British history of the British world. That's right. And uh, yes, this week we are talking about a film on that list. A good one. Uh, spoiler, spoiler alert. alert. Uh, we are talking about number 14 on the list. But before we get to that, we need to talk about last, not last week, but a film from two weeks ago called Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Open that bag. Get back the way you came, Mr. Chips, 1982. Get back. Get back. Get back, Mr. Chips. Well, we had some people get back to us on Mr. Chips, Brendan. Chipping was a teacher played by Robert Donnett. Didn't age a day or year. This counts as parody, so fucking try and sue us. Uh, Greer Gossett won an Oscar for her acting. Robert Donnett also won. Get back! Okay, so we have a comment from... Uh, <laughs> Jason is having none of me today. What I have to assume is the author of the uh, uh, fake study that uh, said that autism uh, causes is caused by vaccines, Dr. Andrew Littlefield. Oh, wait, no, that's Andrew Wakefield. I'm sorry. Sorry to paint you with that brush, Andrew. Oh. Sorry, Andrew Littlefield. Jenny McCarthy's best friend, Andrew Littlefield. <laughs> don't, don't, no, don't do that to him. <laughs> I won't. You're a good man. You don't need to be around that. What does he say about goodbye, Mr. Andrew Chips? Littlefield, who is not a man to be slandered, says, I was a bit disappointed. It's pleasant, but a bit too long and sappy. I think Dead Poets Society actually improved upon it. Dead Poets Society, as much as I like Robert Donnett, Dead Poets Society had Robin fucking Williams. So mm. what can you do beyond that? 
Well, his opinion on that, now I will refer to him as Jenny McCarthy's best friend. You, you are the worst, <laughs> and I am firing you from, not from the podcast, because without you, this thing doesn't happen, but... Uh, oh, so I'm just going to edit it, but it's going to be you solo. Yeah, exactly. You just have to keep making it, but I'm just going to be by myself. And somehow, the episodes <laughs> you send me are four hours long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, buddy, can you cut that into a tight 40? <laughs> you can do it. Put I mean, into it. You can do it, put your ass into it. This is not a parody. Those are the exact lines. Mm. Jason, Josh Darby uh, sent us his letterbox review. Oh, he just screenshotted it and sent it to you. <laughs> I, well, I screenshot it, oh, okay. but he, he did send it. Uh, he did send a link to it, oh, but okay. I, I didn't want to just read the link. Fair enough. I thought that would be uh, very engaging would, would be interesting podcasting. Being like, HTTP colon slash slash www.letterbox.com slash index question mark equals... One one seven two five four dot html yeah, equals and, question mark open and then we'd be like, wow, that's an interesting take. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh Darby said, "Goodbye, Mr. Chips has some extreme ups, extreme ups and downs, but on the whole, is featured more good than bad." Uh, specifically Robert Donnett, who gives a beautifully restrained performance that serves as a template for many life-spanning films to come. I am surprised that he took home the award for Best Actor in this year, but honestly, he's the best thing of this film. Uh, the film gets a little long in the tooth before it comes to its all-too-predictable conclusion. Good, not great, but I'm really glad I watched this film, which can only honestly be described as adorable. This film, Brendan, is like a warm bowl of oatmeal on a cold morning. Go on. It's maybe not the most exotic thing. It's maybe not the most, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, exciting thing. But on that cold morning, it's there. You don't find oatmeal exciting? Mm, not anymore. You're, you know. Now you're fired. It's just, you know, I, I, there was a time, Brendan, but, you know, when you do something so much, eventually it loses its luster. And, and oatmeal eventually lost just that raging excitement that brought me into the oatmeal game. Just like sex. Yeah. What does uh, Brittany Keegan say? Brittany says, I love Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Yes, it's super old-fashioned and cheesy, but it feels like one of the early movies to follow large-scale national and world events from the perspective of one unimportant, quote-unquote, person. It rings as true to me as It's a Wonderful Life, and Greer Garson makes the whole film. I agree, she does. She's, She's fucking great. wonderful. Yeah, for limited screen time especially. Yeah. That, that, I think that fits in with my like. It's it's, it's comfort food. It's, I did uh, get vibes of "It's a Wonderful Life," though. Yeah, like a lot of them. Yeah, and I mean, this was pre. I think so. Yes, yeah, so just yeah. just before. Yeah, I think, well, "It's a Wonderful um, Life" is early forties or is it thirties? I think it was early forties, but you know what? Uh, we'll never know, so it doesn't matter. It's close. It's close enough that I don't think they would have influenced each other. Yeah, but like I say, just just com- cinematic comfort food. It feels good watching with Grammy on Saturday morning or yeah. Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Grammy. Yeah. And Grampy's, too. Well, Grampy's smoking cigars in the garage. Okay. What does the next one say, Jason? Karen Bohan Cantelmo says, This is a very sweet movie, and I find that I watch it whenever it's on. Still not sure if it warrants BFI Top 100, and was Donna really the best actor in 1939? Who else was the best actor in 1939? Brendan, go. Uh, the other actors that were up for were Laurence Olivier, uh, Mickey Rooney, Jimmy Stewart and Clark Gable. Hmm. So what a, yeah, what a Rogues Gallery. Uh, yeah, I, I could see how somebody would be like, "Was it really the the best actor out of all those people?" But that's I mean, a that's a testament to Robert Donnett. He shut all these fucking <laughs> legends down. I mean, Clark Gable as Rhett Butler that is iconic. I like I like Robert Donnett, but like, Jimmy Stewart and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Like that's a that's a yeah, huge, huge thing. thing. 
But the fact is that we remember every other one of those guys, but Robert Donnett isn't as well remembered. And yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it's good for, good for him. I mean, if, but, but if you're going to do that litmus test in like, oh, okay, well, how right were the Oscars yeah. in, in deciding our cul- where our culture would uh, would go, this is one that they're off quite a bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Teresa Estefan, uh, Gloria's uh, sister, yes. says, it's a sweet film and I am a huge Greer Garson film. I, I am a huge Greer Garson film. She's an entire film about Greer Garson. She's that's, a huge Greer Garson fan. That's the first film that's actually written into this show, which is really, it's an honor, so thank you. <laughs> Not sure it would make in, it into my top 100, though. That's what she says. What, she, the film, would make Teresa it into your top Estefan 100? Teresa Estefan says the film would not make it into her top now, 100. Now, would Teresa Estefan make it into your top 100? Uh, yeah, Teresa Estefan, you're number one in my book. Aw, that's just the kind of service we offer here at First Screening Country. That's right. Jenny Rogers simply says, didn't care for it. <laughs> I, I, I just thought that was funny. <laughs> I, I, I half expected you to say, Jenny Rogers just said, shit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lucy LaPlaca, or LaPlaca, too long, agreed. But, but some really lovely moments. I heard it referenced in another old film as an example of sappiness, which I thought was interesting. And yeah, there's, there's sappiness in there, but I don't think it's, you know, I've seen sappier movies for sure. I think, I think there's enough... Uh, I think it's more uh, intelligent to offset some of the sappiness because I think there's a lot of overly sappy movies that's just that. Yeah, because this movie is nostalgic. There's sappiness to it, but it's it's spread out a little bit. Like, it, it it's consistent in tone. But then you get some movies where, like, my go-to for this is Bruce Almighty is, is a bad for sappiness because it, like, has kind of some funny parts to it and then it ends and it's just full-on sappy bullshit in a movie get, that's supposed to be a comedy. It does get really dreary, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That is a movie that I like, but yeah, I agree with that part. Um, not as good as Evan Almighty. I mean, I don't mean to. I don't mean to compare Bruce Almighty to fucking uh, Goodbye, Goodbye Mr. Chips. I mean, they're basically the same movie. Basically, yeah. Sure. Our last comment, Jason, comes from Rodney Chester, and he says, "This is one of my favorite movies, and I cry at the end every time." Rodney, you sensitive person. You. I That's just like, lovely. I, I just think it's funny because we either have we are like either side of the fence with this. It's either. Fan fucking tastic, or eh. yeah, I don't think anybody hates this movie. I mean, Jenny Roger didn't. Well, care yeah, for okay, it. she's the one, Jenny. <laughs> Jenny from the block? No. Oh, okay. It's a different Jenny. This this Jenny's from the street. Jason, I'm going to let you announce this this time. We at the, at the end of this little segment here, we like to talk about uh, what ranks the same number on the AFI Top 100 mm-hmm. list, and uh, Goodbye, Mr. Chips was number 72. On the BFI Top 100. What was number 72 on the AFI Top 100? Number 72 on the AFI Top 100 was a, a movie that is, I guess, similar in the sense that it takes place over a long period of time. It is uh, 1994's The Shawshank Redemption. And I would like to congratulate The Shawshank Redemption. You win this round. You do win this round. There's no question. I mean, I like... I. I I adore that movie. Even when I saw that movie, you know, when it aired in uh, uh, chunks on TBS and it took six hours to watch it and it aired four times a day somehow. Oh. No, I guess that math works out. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a it's kind of an iconic movie. Yeah. It, it, I mean, Goodbye, Mr. Chips was sweet and, you know, adorable. And, and Goodbye, Mr. Chips, I think, is an iconic movie for a certain generation of people in sure. a lot of ways. It is kind of like, it is the, you know, the... the I can't think of that right. But I think I think even if you went over, you know, across the pond, yeah. and you mentioned Goodbye, Mr. Chips, and the Shawshank Redemption, I think Shawshank is li- likely to get a lot more recogni- recognized. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, you're probably right. You're like, probably right. It's yeah, so good. So yeah, uh, I think we both give it to Shawshank. AFI is on a on a roll here. So lately. if you haven't seen it, kids, go out, rent it, Shawshank Redemption, check it out at your local blockbuster. Rated R. Yeah, it is. It's a good reason to prison rape. Mm. Speaking of prison rape, he Jason, swam through a river of shit. 
Speaking of swimming through a river of shit, we need to get to this week's movie. All no, right. <laughs> yes. No. Brendan no. is savage today. Oh, just wait till I get my hot takes out. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Uh, we need to get to this week's movie. We're of course talking about Saturday night and Sunday morning. Nine hundred and fifty four. Nine hundred and fifty bloody five. Another few more, and that's a lot for a Friday. Fourteen pounds three and twopence for a thousand of these a day. No wonder I've always got a bad back. That'll soon be done. I'll have a fag in a bit. No use working every minute, God sends. I could get through in half the time if I went like a bull, but they'd only slash me wages so they can get stuffed. Don't let the bastards grind you down, that's one thing I've learned. Jack's one that ain't learned it. He wants to get on. Yes, Mr. Robbo. No, Mr. Robbo. I'll do it as soon as I can, Mr. Robbo. And look where they got Robbo. A fat gut and lots of worry. Fred's all right. He's one of them who knows how to spend his money, like me. Enjoys himself. That's more than them poor beggars know. They got ground down before the war and never got over it. I'd like to see anybody try to grind me down. That'd be the day. What I'm out for is a good time. All the rest is propaganda. wanted to include that little clip at the beginning because it definitely establishes right at the bat what kind of movie this is mm-hmm. and then into of course into the theme song which we all know and love yes ladies and gentlemen number 14 saturday night and sunday morning both of them both of them in one film you get absolute value when you go see saturday night and sunday morning you get two days for the price of one that's movie. right uh this is a movie from 1960 mm-hmm. No, 60. You were right. 60. 1960, starring Albert Finney. Yep. Uh, Young Albert Finney. Albert Finney as our title character, Arthur Seaton. Also starring Rachel Roberts as Mm -hmm. Brenda, who you might remember from This Sporting Life. Yes. Uh, Shirley Ann Field plays Doreen. Norman Rossington plays his his best bud, Bert. Yep. Uh, Brian Pringle plays Jack, the ever so... Uh, pushover, pushover, yeah. <laughs> Jack. Really mellow. I Who mean, gets real violent in a quick oh, yeah. bit that I was <laughs> taken yeah, aback yeah. by. Um, Hilda Baker plays Aunt Ada. Elsie uh, Wagstaff is Mrs. Seaton, and Frank Petit is Mr. Seaton. Oh, Mr. Seaton, mm-hmm. watching TV with his eyes. He's dead from the neck up. That's right. So, Jason, if you had to break this down in real layman's simple terms what is the, what the fuck is this movie about this movie is about an angry young man who is trying to i guess 
find his place in the world to some extent, but is doing so as sort of a reaction against the the order. So this is a movie. It's it's set in a working class town. He works in a factory. Uh, our friend Arthur. Uh, he's making bike parts. You know, he's earning fourteen pounds and three tuppence a week. Uh, but and he lives at home with his parents. He does pay room and board, so he's no you know he's no fucking parasite. Yeah. But uh, he lives for going to the pub on the weekends and and getting with ladies and and just living life to the full. You you heard him say there that he's about uh, having good times. And he's not going to get grinded down. I like to see the and man he's not that tries get to grind me down. down. No, exactly. And yeah. uh, so his his not being grinded down consists of uh, trying to fuck anything he can. Specifically in this movie, uh, a married lady. Played by Rachel Roberts. Played by Rachel Roberts, who in, in both movies we've seen now has played an older lady getting fucked over both physically and metaphorically. I will say in this one she t- turns out slightly better. Yes. Oh, yeah. End. Well, yes, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> she's still there at the end of the movie. Um, but yeah, so he so he's having sex with this woman uh, who's who's married to Jack, who's the, the kind of pushover guy that he knows from the office that he was talking about there, the office, the manufacturing floor. The show, they, The Office, the yeah, American, the office, the yes. American program. That he was talking about there in the opening sequence. Um, and so uh, he also, in the course of the movie, meets a young lady. Uh, named Delilah? No, that's a different show. Hey there, Delilah. Albert Finney's gonna fuck you. Was it Dory? Doreen. Doreen, yes. You're about the same age and it's Saturday so night. This, so and, and this is a kitchen sink drama in the sense... Well, I mean, it is a kitchen sink drama, but it's it's one of those movies where this is kind of a slice of life. Not, not in the way that other movies we've seen have where it's not really positive necessarily, but it's literally just a look at the, at the kind of shit this guy's getting into in his life. This young guy, he's 22... Trying to make his way. He's fucking a, a lady who's married and sneaking around on her husband. He's got a new girl that he's going after, and that's going to all come to a head. And, I mean, I think you're kind of nailing it here. There isn't yeah. much of a plot. No. There isn't much of a point A to point B plot. It is essentially a few weeks in this guy's life. Yeah. Um, he's about 22 years old. He is basically uh, he's, he's kind of like to me it's kind of like that whole idea of like rebel without a cause where yeah. where they ask James Dean like what are you rebelling against and he's like what do you got yeah. you know what I mean it's <laughs> the thing where it's like I'm rebelling against everything that I should that people want me to be mm, mm, mm. he even says in the movie like whatever it is they think I am that's what I'm not Yeah. so like it's very much I'm me leave me alone so of course in the course of this uh, relationship he ends up uh, knocking up his uh, his beau his lover his uh, married uh, uh, Rachel Roberts mm-hmm. um, and they have to figure out what to do about it and it involves uh, he goes to his aunt and tries to get her help and she tries a bunch of voodoo midwife fucking old wives tale rituals just drink all work. this drink all this whiskey drink all this gin and fucking sit in a bathtub in a hot bathtub for an hour. Uh, and it didn't do anything, obviously. No. And then the, he knows an abortion doctor, but it's going to cost 40 pounds, and she goes, but then she can't do it, and she decides she's going to keep this baby, and then the, whatever happens, be damned. And I believe in the movie they never say the word abortion. No. They always say, take care of it. Take They'll care of this say, baby or solve this situation, problem. Yeah. Solve this problem. It's very 1960 coded. Absolutely, because at this time in Britain, abortion, abortion was illegal. Mm-hmm. So this was a, a, a difficult thing to accomplish. And this is still under the production code of which you'll notice i don't know if you noticed this jason but yeah. as the movie starts it said it was rated x yes that was um, the original rating for it uh, for no one under 16 yeah yeah uh, i actually looked into it the the it, the x rating replaced the previous rating so the old rating system there was three ratings there was universal exhibition for everybody mm-hmm. there was like p which was like parental basically a parental guidance kind of suggested and then there was h for horrific <laughs> Movies were rated H for horrific, and they were for 16 or over, but they eventually replaced it with the X rating. 
They uh, showed seven-eighths of a lady's leg. And I believe, I, I don't know for sure in Britain, I know the X rating went away in the States because it became NC-17? less... NC-17? Well, oh. it, it became NC-17, but, but the actual rating is X went away because it became like a marketing gimmick for movies to mm-hmm. use X or triple X or whatever to help sell the movie. Vin Diesel movie, yeah. yeah. So yeah, this movie was rated for 16 and over at the time because it deals with some really heavy shit for 1960. It does, but... Adultery, would, abortion. <laughs> I would argue that it deals with it in a way, unlike we've kind of seen in other kitchen sink dramas so far, and then it deals with it kind of lighter. Yeah. I, I, it's it's heavy, it but it also heavy. feels like there's a lot of like, there's a lot of comedy. And so it feels kind of not, I'm not saying this as a negative thing. It just feels undercut a little bit mm. by the comedy. I, I think it's, I mean, I, I, I guess every kitchen sink drama is usually about lower class people, but I feel like there's a certain streak of practicality that go through the people in this movie. These people that live in this manufacturing town, these are people that have grown up relatively poor and mm. only make 14 pounds a week at the mill, you know, live at home with their parents. Like, this is this is a tough world full of hard people. This whole movie is full of hard people, and these are hard people dealing with the situation in a way that they would. And, and you, you get that hardness combined with the British kind of cultural... Um, addiction to being you know emotionally detached and you get these people that are talking about the situation kind of matter of factly mm-hmm. uh where in an american movie you might see a lot more emotion in this sort of situation but not not for brits not for poor british people they don't have time to be sad brendan <laughs> they just gotta get shit done you know how much they don't have time to be sad so much so jason that the writer of the screenplay and the writer of the book his name is alan Silito. What? <laughs> and yes, this is based on a book by Alan Silito. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that book. Well, I looked into this book, and, and the thing about the book is that the book is very close to the plot of the movie. They, it doesn't they, surprise me. But there's two... He wrote the screenplay. He did, yeah. And But there's two very huge differences between the book and the movie. So there's an extra character in the book. An alien. And that, and that extra character is uh, Brenda, I think that's her name, the, the woman he's having sex with, the married woman, yeah. Rachel Roberts. Mm-hmm. Brenda has a sister named Winnie. And he's also fucking her as well. Oh. Yeah. And Doreen. And Doreen. Yeah. You know, he's got a lot of irons in the fire in the book. The other big difference, at least as far as I can tell from the summary I read, there's no baby. Nobody gets impregnated. That's something that comes up specifically in the movie. Hold on, Jason. I gave you 48 hours to read the entire (laughs) book and you gave me the fucking summary? Look. We all have things we need to do, and I just didn't have time to do You that. want me to watch all the Hamlet movies tonight? Well, Brendan, look, I've got a cat, and I know you have three, but my cat is a lot of work, and I don't have time like you do. Your cats are very independent. Your dog is very independent. We also just revealed the fact that if you if you can find out where this <laughs> reference started, you'll probably be able to tell what we recorded at the same time. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, but Alan Sillytoe, yeah. Yes. Um, actually, I read, read a little bit about the, the author slash uh, screenwriter. Um, mm. He also worked at a bicycle factory, actually, uh, as a youngster. And his family was often on the brink of starvation. Mm. Uh, his father was illiterate and often violent and not able to hold down a job. So he had a pretty rough upbringing. Yeah. Um, and he was also kind of a lady a lady killer. Um, and meaning he murdered uh, random ladies like Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Uh, no, he, he, was a, he was a skirt chaser. Yeah. He, he went around town. He's a man like a, about town. He liked a bit of crumpet. Yeah, a little bit of crumpet on his strudel. Is that that's, a thing? No, that, no? that's okay. a German thing. You're mixing up your nationalistic metaphors, Brendan. You know what? It is what it is. But either Auf way. Auf Wiedersehen. He, uh, he even signed on to the war effort, but then he got tuberculosis when he was like 16. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> Getting tuberculosis to avoid the draft. <laughs> 
That's that's totally what happened. Yeah, <laughs> fuck you, Nixon. Um, he wrote the novel in 1958, so that was a pretty quick turnaround because this movie comes out in 1960. Wow. And you got to think with if it came out in 1960, it was probably filmed in 59. So this was like boom, novel, screenplay, movie. But remember back then, like your only entertainment options were the radio, the TV, or the books. And so books were just more popular. And I bet you more people read that book in a year than people read books today in a decade probably and not on their kindles either that's right they read them with real books in their real hands not uh, using fake hands like kids today with their with their tanned add-ons to hold on to their e-readers do you want to hear something funny about alan silito what's that besides his last name mm. um in the soviet union he was actually hailed for for by many for speaking up for oppressed workers in america oh wow so he was kind of a national well, hero you mean in, in the, the uk union. What? You mean in the UK? No, no, in the Soviet Union. He no, was... no, I mean oppressed workers in the UK. Y- yes, but also like... Yeah, around yeah, the world. Yeah. yeah. Workers um, of the world unite, you have nothing to lose but your chains. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you always look for the union label. That's right. Um, and then the other... La- la- one last thing I want to say about this is uh, he actually... Uh, before he passed away, because I believe he lived until like 2010, or even later than that. Like, he just died recently. What an asshole. Living to be 2010 after having tuberculosis as a kid? What an asshole. Right? Jason, <laughs> send all your emails to Jason. Um, he pushed and pushed for like a modern adaptation. He tried to get another one made, but he was never able to get it off the ground because uh, Tony Richardson, uh, the producer of the film, his uh, his estate and Woodfall Films prevented it. And then, we're not sure the reason, mm. but um, Tony Richardson's daughter was actually Natasha Richardson, a.k.a. Uh, Liam Neeson's late late wife, hmm. and she basically uh, blocked the production, citing personal reasons, and that's it. Like that tree blocked her path. Oh, no, Jason. I don't know if that's This is the end. Ba-na-ba, Let's the just end move forward. Let's just move past this podcast. Let's just move past. Let's just barrel past this. And she hit a tree. I, mean, I don't know. She might. I, I think she might have just hit her head. And uh, I, 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 I apologize. There's nothing to joke about. It was in a somebody's death. It was a skiing. It was. I, I just couldn't think of a good Sonny Bono joke. Liam Neeson is going to find you. Yeah, he will. He has a very specific set of skills. Yeah, he does. <sighs> oh, Jason! It's been fun. I appreciate. Thank you, everybody. It's been a wonderful run. Sweet, innocent Jason. Yeah. You are basically Harvey Weinstein now. Well, <laughs> let's not get crazy. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Yeah, this movie's something, eh? <laughs> Is that your notes right there? No, this movie's something. This movie's ninety minutes long. Uh, 89. 89 minutes long, and that is the perfect length for a kitchen sink drama, I would say. Yeah, I mean, this sporting life was almost two hours, so yeah. it's got that going for it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I could only... I mean, it, it's depressing. I mean, these movies are depressing. Uh, these movies are depressing. That's okay. I still think this kind of had a little bit more of a comedic tinge to it. A little it. bit, yes. Yeah, so. Kind of like um, A Taste of Honey kind of had well, that a little bit, too. The thing about it is that Albert Finney's character in this movie, Arthur, is 22 years old. He is... Like many 22-year-olds I knew when I was 22 that were just dickheads, just cocky assholes who think they've got the world uh, the world is their oyster and they can do whatever the fuck they want to do. And that's definitely what he is, somebody who's, like you said, rebelling against everything. Like mm-hmm. he just, he does what he wants to do and, and anybody be damned if they get in his way. Yeah, um, exactly. And Albert Finney, this is, is this the first time you're seeing Albert Finney as a young man? 
Me? Yes, absolutely. I, I know him only really for his old man roles. Gosford Park. <laughs> so, his old man roles. Yeah, Gosford Park. Uh, was it? Was he Big Fish? Big Fish. Yeah. He was Big Fish. Yeah, he, he was, played. He played the, the titular, titular Big the titular fish. fish that was big. <laughs> it was weird that they got Albert Brooks to just do the voice of a fish. Albert, uh, much like Finding Nemo. Yeah, much like. Finding oh wait, Nemo. that's Albert Brooks. That's Albert Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> Nemo. Uh, I'm gonna. It's probably gonna happen again. Yeah. Um. So Arthur, so what do you think about Arthur? Like, like we talked about how he's kind of, I mean, I talked about it anyway, how he's kind of like, reminds me of this kind of James Dean-esque, like, rebel without a cause. Um, he's young, he's brash, he's arrogant, he uh, has an unwavering confidence in himself, and uh, I don't know that he actually learns anything in the course of this movie. <laughs> no, I don't think he does either, but I'm wondering, like... It, I feel like the performance has a lot to do with how we perceive Arthur. Because mm. I think if not for Albert Finney, I think this character would come off even harsher. Yeah, probably. It's to his credit in yeah. this movie, he doesn't hit any women. No. Which was nice which to was, see. One that we could say about poor Joe. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or Jack. Jack. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, Jack. yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about that right now because yeah. Jack. Okay, so in the movie, and like we we talked about, he has an affair with a uh, married woman, Rachel Roberts. Yeah. and Jack again is this put upon, you know, kind of push. I don't even know that he's put upon. Like I don't think he, I don't see him as put upon. I just, just see seems him as, very like he's but, just a very mellow guy. He's a dude that does his job. He loves his kid, obviously he loves his and son, he, and he has two family members that are soldiers. Yes, he, well, a brother and I. What I assume is his brother's his friend. friend. Yeah. Possibly so, love her, but I mean that, that was me reading into it. I think. Don't ask, don't tell. That's right. Don't, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> Certainly at that time. Oh yeah. boy. Um, but but yeah, in, in that scene, in in one of the climactic scenes, they the 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 brother and the brother's friend are both there too. Yeah. It's kind of comedic, almost to the point where like, oh yes, my brother, because he t- I remember he has a conversation with Albert Finney's character with Arthur, mm. and he says something along the lines of like. Oh, you know, sometimes my brother brings his friend into town, and I'll tell you, they defend me to the bitter end. Like, they'll beat the crap out of someone, and I'll be like, oh, come on, that's too much. And then Arthur is like, "Uh, uh, well, maybe they should be careful who they mess with. And he's like, oh, don't tell them that. Like, it's almost to the point of ridiculous, like. Yeah, and and it's interesting because at one point earlier in the movie when they're talking, she mentions that if 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 uh, Jack was to find out about the relationship, that he would probably still take care of her because he loved her. Mm -hmm. And, and... uh, so we see them. They they go to the fair. Uh, they're they're each there with their significant others. They meet up, and he ends up taking her onto a ride, mm-hmm. <laughs> just basically forcing her onto this onto this like little mini roller coaster. And we don't ride. we don't hear their conversation. We we, they're having a conversation, but yes, we do not see it. But as they're on the ride, they've been spotted by. Uh, uh, Jack's brothers, Sergeant Jack's brother, Sergeant Jack's brother, uh, and they uh, are basically surrounding the ride, waiting for him to get off. And he kind of bails off the ride at some point and takes off, and they take off after him. And it's a brutal beatdown. Yeah, it's a beatdown. They they take him, they take him into an alley, and they just fuck him up. And it's all done in this one great long shot, yep. just a static one long shot of them just beating the crap out of him. It, it in looks an alley. it looks real, like it, it looks, looks like a real fight. It looks very brutal and is meant to, and it and it and it should because they do kick the shit out of him. They, yeah, they beat the absolute shit out of him. But, then, but what we were talking about was that when she comes off the ride, Joe is or Jack is waiting. It's for not her. Joe. Lampton. It's not Joe. <laughs> Joe. Joe. <coughs> Joe Lampton's uh, elsewhere, probably slapping a woman too. But uh, he gets off the, she gets off the ride, and he grabs her, and he just slaps her across the face. Not, not super hard, but really, it doesn't matter how hard. He still slaps her. Yeah, he's she Sean Connery's her. Yeah, and and despite that, like like that's the only like outburst we see from Jack, Jack in the whole movie. Yeah, like he, he he doesn't even when he is confronted later, or rather confronts, I guess, um, uh, Arthur at work. 
it's a very low-key conversation and it's not even particularly threatening more so than just like like you know like i know what's going on don't do it anymore Mm-hmm. You know, it's like my brothers, you know, I guess there's a little, I guess there's a little bit of threat there with like, oh, you know, my brothers, right? Yeah. My brother likes to fight people, whatever. But yeah, just don't do it anymore and we'll be cool. He even denies the beatdown. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't about. know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, even like, uh, well, Rachel Roberts reaction is of utter shock when mm. that happens. I almost, I almost wonder just because of the time, this was 1960 after all, yeah. if that was an improvised moment. Cause I mean, we talked about Dr. Zhivago mm. where Rod Steiger just stuck his tongue down Julie Christie's mouth and. And the, and the and the bit where he actually slapped her and she wasn't expecting it. Yeah. So I mean, that's possible. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I say, he didn't seem to hit her. Like it didn't didn't look like the actor hit her particularly hard, but no. enough to make an impression for sure. So yeah, and another thing. So back to Arthur for a moment, because nothing is ever Arthur's problem. No. In in this movie, this way the way he treats it. I mean, I, what really struck me in this as an example of that. One of the early scenes, he's having like a drinking contest with a sailor in one of the bars, yeah. and the look. Of like absolute disgust, Arthur gives him. It's almost like if you can't keep up with me, you're just as bad as everyone else. Like as a slave to the system, like you're yeah. just as bad as that. What what I found interesting about that particular scene is that that sailor is sitting there and he's just going pint for pint. Like he's taking a pint, he's downing the pint, and then he's putting it down, and then he's just starting to immediately drink another pint. Like he's yeah. going hardcore. And it's clear this guy is an old alcoholic who is just fucking just going for it. And it's funny watching the lady that's nearby like just be like, oh look at him, isn't he funny? Look at him, <laughs> look at him drinking those. Beers. That's funny. <laughs> well, I think it's Rachel Roberts that's sitting yeah. beside him. Is it yeah. Rachel Roberts? Yeah, I thought I it was so. the somebody else for some no. reason. Or no, I think I believe it's Rachel Roberts in that scene. But, but uh, yeah, yeah, he's just Arthur's just kind of like, come on, lad, you could drink more tomorrow at twelve. Like he's just watching him, just this fucking poor guy just <laughs> <laughs> murdering himself. But yeah, no, I feel like he's just like, oh, this guy's ground down. I don't, I, I disapprove, I disapprove of this guy. Yeah, just the look he's giving him. Um, and he, like I said, nothing is ever his problem. Like I mean, we even talk about like the scene where he's walking into the bar, he spills a beer on someone and blames it on someone knocking him. He uh, he he falls down the stairs when he's yes. really drunk, and he said, "All oh, the railing needs a repair." Like <laughs> yeah. he just exactly and then, nothing is his fault at all. And then the pregnancy reveal when uh, Rachel Roberts reveals to him that she that she's pregnant. I want to play that scene yeah. because his reaction is something else. Please do. What's up with you? Oh, stop it. You make too much fuss. What's the matter with you tonight? I'll tell you what's the matter with me, Arthur. I'm pregnant. Good and proper this time. And it's your fault. Oh, well, it's bound to be my fault, isn't it? Well, of course it is. You never take care. You just don't bother. Always said this would happen one day. What a wonderful Friday night. How do you know? You never believe anything, do you? I suppose you've got to see the kid before you believe me. Well, I'm 12 days late. That means it's dead sure. <laughs> Nothing's dead sure. This is. All right, all oh, right. Don't. I don't know, it's mine. Don't you want to take the blame now, then? Are you backing not out or blame. something? There's no blame on me. I just want to know whether it's mine or not. It's not bad to be, is it? Yes, yes, it's yours right enough. I haven't done out like that with Jack for a couple of months or more. And I don't want to have it. I can tell you that now. Well, have you tried out? Took out, I mean. Yeah, some pills. It didn't work. 30 bob, they cost me two gone right down the drain. God almighty. He won't help you. Now, look, you've got to do something, you know. Well, don't you want to have the kid? I suppose you'd like me to have a kid by you. Well, another one won't make much difference, will it? Don't talk so daft. What do you think having a kid means? 
You're doped and sick for nine months. Your clothes don't fit. Nobody look at you. One day you're yelling out and you've got a kid. Mm, all that's not too bad. But you've got to look after it for the rest of its life. I mean, it, clearly, like a 22-year-old kid, like, well, what's another one? It's like another cat. Well, what's it? You just feed it and water it. What do you got? What do you got to worry about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this guy, this guy, and you would, I would argue too that aside from that, aside from his kind of non-reaction to the pregnancy thing, is he always talks about like people saying like, oh, you know, I don't want people to tell me who I am, like, hmm. blah blah blah. They don't know me. I don't think he knows himself. No, clearly because not. There's even a scene where he talks about how he voted for the Communist Party just because. He could? Yeah. He went in and pretended he was his father and then just voted for the communist party? Yeah, yeah committed a crime to, <laughs> to falsely vote for a, a, an extremist party. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then you think like, and then you think also like in other scenes he has empathy. And the scene later on, uh, there's a guy that is like, uh, smashes a window in a store for a vase and he says it's for like his dead mother or something mm. or no sorry what does he say no his dead wife yeah his dead wife he's just mourning he's still mourning over his dead wife and you think that oh arthur finally has empathy for someone but then you find out it's just because he doesn't like his neighbor being there his nosy neighbor yeah he doesn't like his nosy neighbor he doesn't like the uh the the i don't know if it's like woman's auxiliary person it's a, the lady in uniform he doesn't like her very much yeah. either yeah, so he's just, I think he's just there to cause shit because he's like, oh, let's go see what's going on. And they go there and then they interject themselves into it and try to get them to let the guy go. Not mm. not because I think they sympathize with him, but just because he wants to cause shit. Yeah. Do you, and okay, and let's talk about it because this is one of the main cruxes of the movie. But his relationship with Brenda right from the get go, Rachel Roberts, the married mm. woman, do you think he loves her? No. No, so, I don't think he loves her. I think he, I think he is getting. I think he's getting sex and he's getting a sort of motherly affection maybe from this woman. Like that maybe he's not getting it home from his own mom, but maybe he doesn't want because he wants to fuck as well as get that motherly affection. Like I think like it's definitely a power imbalanced relationship in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, he's it, he's in it for a bit of fun. I think she is too because I think she does love her husband. I think it's pretty clear that yeah. she does love him. It's just they haven't had sex in a few months. So she's going to go have a roll in the hay with this tight young 22-year-old Arthur. Tight young Albert Finney. That's right. Um, I also thought. I also thought that maybe his choice of like you know pursuing a married woman is kind of like another victory for him over the establishment because he's like, oh, someone from you know someone that's all grinded down needs someone like me yeah. to feel alive. You know, it's a notch I mean? on his belt and it makes him feel like he's uh, doing something positive. Maybe. Yeah, like I'm the answer to your woes, yeah. not your not your dead below the waist old husband. You know. Ah. Let him ride his motorbike around with his son, and I'll fuck you all day, baby. Oh, he does have a little motorbike with his son. Yeah, yeah. They ride around together. That's because he shows up home early, right? And then uh, 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 Arthur is trying to get out the back door. And then he gets in. He's like, what was that? Oh, I think a cat got in. He tries to get out the back door before, after he got in the back door. Yowza! They didn't talk about that explicitly. But we have to assume. <laughs> there was a butt-fucking scene. I mean, but though, explicit. obviously, that wasn't only what happened, because he did impregnate her, so. <laughs> if he oh, right. stuck to that, then this wouldn't be a movie. Wait, what are you talking about? You, you can't, you can't do it. You we'll talk after the podcast. Uh, I've had some diagrams. Okay, some Venn ones. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, sweet. Um, what I do like about Arthur is that he doesn't romanticize the past. No, because that's one thing that. I mean, hey, 
If you're listening right now, I'm sorry. But anybody who's like, oh, I remember the good old days, it's like, let's fucking fuck off. Yeah, no, he's he's a young guy. He's like, fuck off with your bullshit. It's like, you, what did the good old days get you? Like yeah. 16 hours of labor and shitty pay. Well, that's what the guy, even like he has that, you have that scene where the boss is like, well, back in my day, I only made this much. He's like, yeah, but back in your day, this much meant the same amount as it is now. So what are you he, talking about? And he's like, well, why don't you go complain about it? And he goes, oh, so it'd be just like in the old days, if I complained about it, didn't they fire me? Yeah, just like the good old days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and then, uh, so then, so then, of course, he meets Doreen, and they have their meet cute. Yeah. Um, which I do want to play their meet cute. This, this, this aggressive form of flirting that was prevalent back in this time, apparently. It's so adorable. Yeah. Is your mum a bit left, then? Yes, she is a bit. No, thanks, I don't smoke. What's your name, then, Doc? Doreen. Not the name, ain't it? What's wrong with it? Mine's Arthur. Neither of them's up so much, but it's not our fault, is it? Where do you work then, Doreen? Me? Harris is the airnet factory. I've been there ever since I left school. All right, I will have a fag. I'm in the engineering trade myself. Tom. Come on, drink up, have another shandy. It's your mother's anniversary. No, thanks. What are you doing the week, Doreen? You ever got at pictures? Only on Wednesdays, why? No, that's for me. I go on Wednesday and all. Which one do you go to? The Grand Beer's rule. Well, I'll see you next Wednesday then at seven. Fast worker, aren't you? All right, but not on back row. Well, I can't see unless I sit on the back row. If I get any nearer the front, the picture gets so blurred. You want glasses by the sound of it? Well, I'll get some someday, but it make me look like a cockeyed rent collector. <laughs> I bet they do. I'll see you on Wednesday then. All right. Well, don't be late then. I won't be. But if I am, you'll just have to wait, won't you? Boom! Yeah, she gives him the business at the end there. That's what I like. I, I enjoy her like, oh, I don't smoke. And then, you know what? I will have a cigarette. Let me let me have one of those. I wonder if that's just her trying to blow him up. I, I think so, first. yeah. I think that's what it comes down to. Her saying, I don't smoke. Being like, yeah, I'm not really interested. But he presses on. And then as we know with women, no means yes, eventually, right? <laughs> I think that's what I'm learning from this. I think that's what the Bond films have taught Yes, me. absolutely. Yeah. Um... So and then, and then so so what do you think so what do you think of the relationship between Arthur and Doreen then? Well, it's certainly cute uh, uh, at first, but mm-hmm. like I don't know what she sees in the guy. I mean, I guess he has this this rebel appeal to him. You know, he seems yeah. like he's his own man. He's he's exciting. Hilariously, she does at one point talk to her mother and say, "Well, I don't know. I don't care what you say. I like him. He's a good guy." And then immediately cut to him and his buddy Bert that are like, "Did you get with her? No, I didn't get with her. She was closed off." <laughs> By the way, uh, shout out to the actor that plays Bert, Norman Rossington. Norman Rossington. We also saw briefly in uh, Lawrence of Arabia as I believe Corporal Jenkins. He's He's has a small, uncredited role, and I recognize him because of the teeth. His teeth are very unique, and mm-hmm. he sticks out in that. And then I saw a picture of him older, and I feel like I've seen him in stuff. What was he? Who was Colonel Jenkins? In Co- no, Corporal Jenkins. Corp- he was like in one scene, very. I think when he first gets to Arabia, he's one of the first officers. I think he meets briefly. Is he the one that's like just, a blonde guy, and he's got kind of prominent? He teeth. shows like the fire trick too. No, I don't think so. Maybe I don't know. But, oh, but he's in there. He plays T. E. Lawrence. So you think so? So you're saying, yeah, you think it starts off cute, but then, but like, what do you think Arthur is getting out of this? Like, he's already with this Again, married woman. I, I don't think um, it's just he just want looking for a lay. I think he's just looking for a lay I, I, to some extent. Like, I think he thinks that at some point he's going to have to 
Get married. Settle down. Settle down. But I think he's doing it because he thinks that that's what you have to do. Yeah. Like, no, I, I, I think he's basically like, well, there's no way out of this. I might as well try to do it now. And by the end of the movie, uh, we learn that he is now, you know, engaged to, to, uh, Doreen. to Doreen. But it's clear he's still not totally on board with this whole thing. He's... Yeah. Uh, He's kind of he's in a spot that Joe Lampton wishes the movie had ended on, where he still had the opportunity to get the fuck out of the situation. But uh, but I don't know. I guess uh, there was no sequel to this one, as far as I know. No, there was no Sunday night and Monday morning. Yeah. Uh, but he does. Yeah, and even in the end of the movie, where they're just kind of sitting there on the hill, him and Doreen. This is long after you know their other relationship has kind of gone to shit. Um, he's just kind of like throwing rocks and she's like, well, why are you doing that? He's like, well, you're not going to stop me. I'm going to keep doing it. And mm. it's kind of like him saying like, hey, we might get together, but I'm still not changing. Like I'm going to be the same person I always am and we're just going to be married, but that's not going to change anything. He's all Saturday night when everybody else understands it's Sunday morning. Oh. Yeah. You see, that's it. That's what it is. Saturday night, Sunday oh. morning. Saturday night is when all the fun happens. Saturday night is when everybody's dancing and singing and fucking and doing all the things that you want to do but, Sun- but Sunday morning Brandon that's when you get up and have a hangover and you've impregnated your uh, married girlfriend and all of a sudden reality sets in on Sunday morning Sunday morning coming down coming down well there's something about a Sunday Sunday I don't know that Monday song. Monday <laughs> uh, yeah um, and then yeah so I f- he even says to Dorian at one point, like he says, like you're gonna keep me on the straight and narrow, so I don't do anything stupid. And I'm like, like sleep with a married woman, like <laughs> yeah. And then all, the, the, all of a sudden, it's her responsibility to not only be your wife, but to be your fucking handler. Yeah, and he even says like, oh yeah, sure, I'll get you a ring next week. I'll get you. A ri- what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> you, you, I think you're trying to do Richard Harris, I, I, or or like or like uh, uh, what's his face from Jaws there? Richard, <laughs> what's his name? Try to do uh, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. I'll get you a ring. The whole damn thing. Maybe I'll not this you, week, but certainly by next week. Get your ring. Get your wedding. <laughs> Two mar- married people go down. Only one comes up. Da, da. Whole boat too. Da, da. The whole damn thing. Da, da. But yeah, no, he says, I'll get your ring. He's like, get your ring next week or something. And he says it very like flippant. Yeah, very flippant. Because uh, he's an asshole. He's an asshole. Yeah. He's a big asshole. He's a big asshole because uh, at the beginning of the movie, too, we see him interact with his neighbor, his, his rather rotund neighbor, yeah. who he kind of just shoves into. She gets fat shamed a lot. She does get fat shamed a lot. And she's just trying to make her way in this world. There's no need for that. Yeah. I mean, she's kind of an asshole. She is an asshole. She's definitely the gossipy, like, housewife type of, yeah. of this era. But I do like, this leads. This does lead to one of my favorite scenes in the mm. movie, is when Arthur suddenly beca- this suddenly becomes like a sniper movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when I first saw this movie, because this is my second time watching it, yeah. but when I first saw this movie and he took out a gun, I was like, whoa. It's escalated. <laughs> Hold on a second here. But of course it turns out to be like a BB gun. It's an air rifle. An but air that rifle, That still yeah. fucking hurts if you get shot with an air rifle. Oh, yeah. And he, he gets over to his window and shoots her in the ass. Shoots her right in the ass. And she's obviously pissed about it. And she can't, she's looking around, looking around, looking around. And he shoots her again, I think. I think he just shoots into the he air. Shoots at her. And she freaks out. Um, but then she can't prove it like she comes over and she and the, the police officer isn't uh isn't convinced no but hilariously she does say like well that talk to teach him that will give him a scare and then you look back and he's not affected at <laughs> he all doesn't even care he's just going back to playing cards <laughs> he's not affected and this is something that could easily land him in jail for years yeah and he's just like uh ah. he doesn't care he just wants to fuck with her 
Yeah. It's like th- these days, if you pulled that, it'd be like you'd be up on assault charges, you know, assault yeah. with a deadly weapon, even. Because mm-hmm. you hit her in the head, maybe poke, put her eye out, you know, Red Rider. You put your eye out. out with that thing. That's right. Um. Yeah. So yeah, and I again, so yeah, Arthur, I think is just looking both because like both women, both women represent something for him. Obviously, like like I said, the the married woman I think represents uh his victory over that kind of way of thinking of yeah. like oh just work make money come home buy food work make money yeah and, and i don't know why he wants to go toward marriage because even though you know maybe that's what's expected like clearly that he doesn't want that at this point in his life that's not like does he think he just has to do it to but that, maybe that'll make him right but maybe that beating is a wake-up call maybe like maybe that whole scene is like because he gets the shit beat out of him but like i say i don't get the sense from the end of the movie that he's any more than half-hearted into this whole idea no Absolutely not. And he I didn't think, have an epiphany after this beating. And I don't think the movie wants to make you think that either. No. Like, I think they're just like, they're quite plainly saying to you, he's not going to go anywhere. No. Um, I want to talk about the look of the movie a little yes, bit. Yes. Uh, because, it, I mean, it's a kitchen sink drama. It's very, ba- I think it's, most of it's very basic, like what you'd expect. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of interesting, like, production design, I think. Mm-hmm. Everything's very mechanical. Everything's yeah. very, like, Patterned, yes. Like even when you see the roofs that are roofs, oh, of the yeah, houses, the, the, the semi detached housing or the whatever you call it, like, yeah, it's just, just it's row just upon row upon row, same thing over and yeah. over and over again. It's very like mechanized, like a thousand northern towns that at that time were you know factory towns, just yeah. these row of fat worker housing. And even in the opening, where you heard like that theme song at the beginning, mm. everyone is walking, is like driving down the street or walking down the street with the same expressionless faces, mm. they're all going the same speed. Everyone's very like marching yeah. down. It's kind of like uh, it reminded me of like I'm all right, Jack. Yeah, and, uh, and most of them are riding bicycles because they work for a bicycle factory, so yep. you must get a good discount. <laughs> what do you What do you think they get on, as a discount? I'd say probably co- they must get cost. This is post-war Britain, though. Yeah, I know, but but you know, then they got to sell bikes to make money. But you know, you want them to get to work. If you sell them a cost bike, it's like Henry Ford used to make cars that his workers could afford. You know. Arthur is the only one, too, that's not driving his bike just straight down the road. No, he's kind of weaving a bit. Because he's a little wild. I assume he's a little drunk, too. Uh, maybe, yeah. I'm I mean, he's driving a... F- sneaking a nip at work here and there, you know? Um, so, so we talked also about... I wanted to mention this, too, and I forgot to mention this earlier, but you talked also about how um, they didn't show the conversation on between him and... Uh, between Arthur and... Um, Brenda? Brenda, Rachel Roberts, on the amusement park ride at the mm. fair. And we just kind of assume what they're talking about. You so also, you read their lips and have a transcript prepared for us right now. I, Albert Finney, do declare that I am a lover of potatoes. That's fascinating. He really did love potatoes. This is a well-known fact. Potato is spelt with an E. I mean, if you're reading the Quail Dictionary, Sure. <laughs> get that ref only in. Difference. That's the get only. that ref in. Thirty-year-old political references. Woo. Murphy Brown. <laughs> um. But yeah, I was gonna say. So that scene where you don't hear their conversation reminded me a lot too. Um, because there's an earlier scene where he goes to meet Doreen's mother, and I was expecting like, oh, we're gonna get this wacky like, yeah. 
tense uh, dinner scene that doesn't go quite right. Yeah. Like the mother doesn't really like him. And I never really got the sense that the mother hated him, by the way. Mm. Like I, I really expected that, the yeah. mother to be like, oh, this boy is no good for you. But you don't even see, that's the thing, you don't yeah. even see the dinner scene. You just see afterwards yeah. when he's leaving, which I think is an interesting choice. Yeah, I mean, it's. A, I think she has a distrust of him as she would have a distrust of any boy coming around to talk to her daughter. Yeah. I don't know how old Doreen is. I assume she's uh, 15. If it's a British movie from 1960, yeah. she's probably 11. Yeah. <laughs> this is Manhattan for Brits. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, that movie is... You know what? I, can I just say something real quick about Manhattan? I have not seen it. Okay, well, I mean, spoiler alert, Woody Allen dates like a 13-year-old yeah. in the movie. But people, the people that say that that movie is creepier now because of Woody, like who Woody Allen is... No, no, guys. It was always creepy. Kind of, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a 13-year-old girl. There's yeah. literally a line where, where the girl is like talking to Woody Allen. She's like, what, we have great sex? And I'm like, ah. movie. It's like regardless of whether Woody Allen had any allegations around him, yeah, it would still be fucking oh, weird. Oh, movie, no. But Annie Hall, still great movie. Yep. What I like uh, is a line, I think Brenda says it to uh, Arthur, and it kind of defines his character in a lot of ways for me, which is, uh, she says, you know what the problem is with you? You don't know the difference between right and wrong. And he kind of doesn't. I don't know if it's so much that he doesn't know or he just doesn't care. I think he just likes to do what he wants to do. He thinks whatever he does is right. Well, I mean, there's also that scene where he pranks uh, someone at work by placing a finding a cat <laughs> brings him a rat. It is seems far too big for that little cat to have brought over to him. I mean... Maybe. He's a killer. He's a killer, this but cat. He, but he puts that rat in, like, one of the workstations, and yeah. the woman starts freaking out. And his a boss, very schoolboy prank. Yeah, and, of course, the boss blames him immediately. So if the boss is immediately coming up to you in a place that is employed by, I'm going to say, 65 people, yeah. um, you're probably not a great you have, person. You probably have a reputation, uh, unless the boss just hates young people, which is possible, but mm. also he's proven that he's a dickhead, so, and a cocky shit. But I also got the sense that, like, the people that he's against aren't as bad as he says no no i think i think the people that he's striking out against are just people just trying to make a life like just trying to you know work and live like anybody else i mean they're no better or worse yeah he's not it's not like he's striking out against the powers that be he's not you know protesting or participating in a revolution he's just (laughs) fucking dropping a rat in a lady's desk and she screams and god damn it jason isn't that what life is all about just dropping rats in ladies' desks. Yes, sir. That sounds like you're taking a shit in ladies' desks. <laughs> just dropping rats. Yes, sir. Just dropping a rat here. Dropping a rat there. <laughs> that was Randy Orton's thing. He'd drop a rat in a lady's purse. Oh my. Oh, or Jerry Lawler's crown. No, that was Kurt Henning. I think. Yeah, that, that was, was a different Kurt story. That's a lot to do with British film. Yeah. that I brought up. <laughs> um, also, another thing too, uh, kind of a reoccurring thing in the movie that I really liked is the idea of the f- of fishing. Mm. You always see. Um, I almost said Albert Brooks again. Yeah. You'll see Arthur and Bert uh, fishing a couple times, and I thought that was kind of an interesting metaphor. And of course, uh, excuse me while I uh, push up my glasses here. Yeah. Um, it's kind of feels like something that they're always like kind of reaching, mm. and they're always kind of they're just kind of throwing it out there yeah. and see what lands. And that's, that's right. kind of his life. That's life, man. That's fishing his life. Uh, I like when he says that he likes to have a, what does he say? He likes to have a bit of a bit of a nip before he goes out fishing because it reminded me of the Jeff Foxworthy joke. You know, if 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 you've ever been too, too drunk to fish, you might be a redneck. And these boys, these boys would never be too drunk to Truer fish. Truer words were never spoken. Isn't too drunk to fish also the name of like Artie Lang's biography? I'm not even making a joke. Wouldn't, I think wouldn't that be too, like too drunk to fuck? No, I think is I think his no, thing maybe. is too drunk to fish. I'd like to think that he stole that from Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Listeners, Artie Lang heads out there. Correct me. Artie Lang, the the son of Jessica Lang. 
Art and Artie Lang starring in a remake of this very film. Yeah. <laughs> Albert <God>. Finney's role. <laughs> uh, would be weird. Um, just some other things uh, that I noticed. Miscellaneous. Uh, miscellaneous, if you will. Thanks for reading the headline of my notes. Um, when they're at the theater, I noticed two different posters. One of them was for the movie Pillow Talk with Doris Day and Rock Hudson. But yep. the other one, Jason. Started an old friend of ours. Alistair Sim. In Gerard? Was that what it was called? Yeah, I looked it up. It's a, it's a real movie. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's real. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Just happy to see his name there. Yeah. He um, was popular then. Uh, I also wrote down that it was a sign of the times that no one had any issue with Arthur just running down the street with a gun in his hand at one point. Yeah, that's true. When, no, nobody took notice. I, when he's messing... Is it like his... Is it like the kid is like his... Uh, his like nephew or something like there's a, there's yeah a... yeah it's it's on his aunt's uh, son yeah and he's and chasing wonder, him down the street I wonder too because that's just, that's a little that little scene um, now that I'm thinking about it it's the one little bit of like true humanity you see and it's Arthur, with a child with a kid he seems so to like this kid you almost think like would it be so bad if he had a kid like yeah. I mean with a married woman yes it'd be an issue but if he had a kid like. I mean, he's not the greatest role model, but I'm cer- he certainly seems like he would be good to him. Yeah, no, he seemed like he was really having fun with that kid and, yeah. and trying I to, mean, like... I mean, maybe that's also... They are both very similar. <laughs> that's it. That could be the other thing, too, is that he's got a similar mental level a, a little bit to the kid and relates to him, or he feels like he's in a position where he's in a position of power over the child. Um, I also wrote down that the nosy neighbor's husband is hilariously useless. He's wonderful, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, like in, from a modern eyes, it's like, what do you expect? You think he's going to go over and beat the fuck out of them? Like, what, he's, he seems like a reasonable guy who's just like, what? Well, yeah. we call he this? shot me with a rifle. Deal with it. Deal with it. And he's like, uh, did, did you do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not much to it. Um, what else do you want to talk about? What else do you want to mention, Jason? I give the floor to you, my shining star... Well, and, and when, when he's asking about the baby and he's like, well, what can I do? And she just says, well, there's nothing much you can do, love. Like, what can he do? There's nothing realistically he can do in that situation. I mean, he could maybe send her a few bucks every now and then. But beyond that, trying to get involved in it is just going to make shit worse. And we already know George has got a brother who's willing to beat the fuck out of him. Jack. Jack. You've, you've gone with Joe. Joe and Jack George. Jack and George. God damn it. I think you're thinking of a. You think you're thinking of room at the top with George A's going. Yeah, I must. Uh, uh, I I like the part where, again, it's really showing what kind of guy he is, Albert Finney. When after he gets beat up and Doreen comes to see him, mm-hmm. uh, and he's she's asking him what happened. Of course, he lies to her mm-hmm. right out of the gate. Tells her a bullshit story about falling off a cart. And oh, buggy. this is after he gets beat up by yeah. the brother yeah. and the friend. Tell, tells her that you got fell off a horse and buggy and he's like well no you said you fell off doing some bet or something to the other person he goes well no I fell off the horse and buggy and then she presses him and finally he admits he's like no I was messing around with this married woman and the brother beat me up mm-hmm. but he doesn't tell her everything he doesn't tell her that she's pregnant he only tells her 75% or so of the truth he doesn't tell her that he knocked up this woman he tells her that he got beat up so but again I like that that he finally finally is willing to reveal a little bit of the truth but not everything he's just going to still keep him close to his chest and she she's kind of okay with most of it yeah, and I don't know. Like, I, I don't get the sense that his parents are particularly out there. Like, he really seems to resent his dad for you know working and coming home and working and coming home, uh, and not doing anything exciting. They're but, not bad. But they don't though. seem like terrible people. They're just kind of there. Yeah, and, and he, well, he even goes on this a little bit of a rant about his parents, and I'll, I'll play that scene here because this is one of the la- uh, later scenes in the movie. Mm. It's when Arthur and Bird are fishing, and he kind of goes on a rant about marriage a little bit, and then he yells about his parents. Yeah. Thought you was the one that wasn't going to get married till you were good and ready. I hadn't met Doreen then. Uh-huh. What's the score with Brenda then? It's finished. We packed it up. Reckon it was about time, don't you? Oh, maybe. She's a good sort though. 
I've given her a lot to put up with. What's her husband like? And a bit of a dope. Well, he's not a bad bloke, really. You know, I told you to lay off weeks ago. Not you took a blind bit of notice. Well, you've got to enjoy yourself. No, you've got to keep your feet in the ground as well. I can't say much use in that. You see people settle down and before they know where they are, they've kicked the bucket. Tain't all together like that. No, I know. It would be, though, if you didn't watch it. The easier ways of getting things and lashing out all the time. You think so? Listen, if I get mixed up in what goes on, that's my business. Suppose it is. You bet it is. I've still got some fight left in me, not like most people. I'm not saying you ain't. Where does all this fighting get you? Have you ever seen where not fighting's got you, eh? Like my mum and dad. What do you mean? They've got all they want. Ah, they've got a television set and a packet of fags, but they're both dead from the neck up. I'm not saying it's their fault, mind you. They've had their hash settled for them, so that all the bloody gaffers can push them around like a lot of sheep. So I think, like, like it strikes me like Joe Lampton, like he wants to be something more than he is. He mm-hmm. doesn't. He clearly doesn't know what. Uh, but he's got this almost, I think, even like a wanderlust in him that he clearly wants to get out of this town. He wants to do something that's not this, but he, I don't know why he thinks that marrying this girl is the way to go about it. Well, and that's the reoccurring thing that yeah. kind of comes up in these movies, right? And it's it's almost like a mentality of like, if you can't beat him, join him yeah. by the end of it. Yeah, kind of. Um, because he gets beaten. Yeah. Beat him. He gets beaten. So he joins him. So he joins him by getting married. And he's not even marrying a rich girl like Joe. He's just marrying like a regular girl. A, like a you rich, and me. A rich girl like Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, she just goes around. <laughs> didn't catch on to that at all. Yeah, we're just a couple of regular gals. Yeah, yeah. just like us. And there's only one more clip I want to play. And yeah. it's the clip where he where he gets injured and he has his like internal monologue. I want to just play a little bit of this. And Let's that's hear it. the final clip. It ain't the first time I've been in a losing fight. Won't be the last either, I don't suppose. How long have I been lying here, though? A week? Can't think. Mum called me balmy when I told her I fell off a gasometer for a bet. But I'm not Barmy. I'm a fighting pit prop that wants a pint of beer, that's me. But if any knowing bastard says that's me, I'll tell him I'm a dynamite dealer waiting to blow a factory to kingdom come. I'm me and nobody else. Whatever people say I am, that's what I'm not. Because they don't know a bloody thing about me. God knows what I am. I hadn't really thought of it until I just watched that scene, but um, he really reminds me, and I'm, and I'm sure this, you know, because, I mean, this this rebellious character certainly is a stock character throughout all film or whatever, but it really reminded me a little bit of Clockwork Orange, like, similar attitude to Alex. I'm obviously not quite as insane and ultra-violent yeah, as, as that, Alex. That rape scene in this movie was wild. He, he doesn't he doesn't have sex with two 10-year-old girls, as Alex does in the book, Uh or even one ten-year-old girl, so he's got that going for him. That's nice about this movie. Yeah, so good for you, Albert Finney's character, Arthur Beaton. Arthur Seaton. Arthur Seaton. You are the best with character names. I'm great, yeah, fuck it. Uh, so, Captain yeah. Smirk. Well, and then if you notice at the end, I think that's probably his turning point there, where he says, like, where he says, like, uh, you know, they don't. They, if they say I'm this, then I'm not, because no one knows me but me. But then he says, 
I don't even know me. Like, he admits, like, yeah. I don't even know who I'm supposed to be. I just know I'm not what they say I He's am. He's got that frustration of youth, and I know that feeling. It's just the the, the, ah! the, the cum just bubbling up inside That's right. Of it's just it's just all hormones and semen and, and piss and vinegar and... Ah, you just gotta get it out. So, yeah. Yeah. Got anything else to add? No, I, I, other than to say that we've watched a bunch of kitchen sink dramas, so, well, a bunch of them. Well, don't give away your review yet. Don't give away your review. No stars. Is that what you're... <laughs> no, do you have anything else to add before we get to that? Uh, just a good, just solid movie. Yeah. <laughs> Don't add your review. Solid movie. <laughs> God damn it, Jason. That's the best I could do. Um, okay, so let's let's get a little bit more into this, uh, into the, the, the structure. Sure. I don't know what this is, what I'm talking about. The movie cost £100,000 to make. Seems like a steal. Yeah. And in, uh, I have the US rentals number. Which it made about four hundred thousand pounds. So that was successful just from U.S. rentals. Yeah. So I don't know what it made in Britain, but I know it was a huge hit. It was surprisingly. I mean, I'm not that surprised. Kitchen well, I mean, sink. just just because you, I mean, that's a different time. Because you imagine a movie like this being like a mega hit today, it would be weird. I yeah. mean, you this this would be a movie like it'd be something like a Marriage Story that it would go on Netflix and it would really resonate with people. But people, I don't think would go to pay to yeah, go I guess to the theater Netf- to see this. I guess Netflix is kind of like the mid budget movies of today. Yeah, that's where though they're all going. They're not going yeah. to theaters. People are going to theaters to see Marvel movies and yeah. and Star Wars movies. So. Jason, this does not go to the Oscars. What? Yeah, I'm not that shocked. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm surprised there's nothing for Albert Finney. It did 400,000 pounds in U.S. rentals and it didn't go to the Oscars? I know. Kind of horseshit. Uh, clearly not rented by the Academy. No, clearly not. But at the BAFTAs, the only real award show, yes. the British Academy of Film and Television Awards. Well, the only one that really matters. They It is nominated for two awards and wins a bunch. Uh... Yeah, win, wins four, nominated for two. It is nominated for Best British Actor for Albert Finney and for Best British Screenplay. But neither of those win. No, they do not win. But it does win Most Promising Newcomer for Albert Finney. Mm-hmm. Uh, Best British Actress for Rachel Roberts. Yep, deserve it. Uh, Best British Film and Best Film. Wow. Yeah, so it wins both of those. That's a. This is a prestigious film in British history. I believe this is the. Oh no! A Taste of Honey was the year before. Yeah. So 1960. Yeah. Yeah. yeah prestigious. Wow. Very nice. Good job, guys. <laughs> so Jason, this movie is number 14 mm-hmm. on the BFI list. Uh, it's definitely the highest kitchen sink drama. No, that would you count Kess as a kitchen sink? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. not really because it's it, Kess is. It, well, you know what? The, it, you could you could argue, make that argument because of the family stuff in it. All right. Well, if you count if you count Kess, then it isn't. But if you yeah. don't, then it's the highest ranked one I think we've done so far, yeah. or that we will do. Yeah. Um. What did what did I think of it? What did you think? What do you think? Well, I, I would say that it, uh, if Kess is a kitchen sink drama, I I like this better than that as mm-hmm. far as kitchen sink dramas go. I think this is the best kitchen sink drama we've watched so far. Uh, I really loved Albert Finney in it. He's a great actor, and I only, like I said earlier, I only really know him for his old man role. So it's cool seeing him as a, as a young guy and really just tearing it up. Um, <laughs> love the characters. Love that it is that slice of life. Love that there doesn't need to be some weird plot like or anything. Stolen like, jewels. Yeah, exactly. There's no necessary MacGuffins. It's literally just a look at this guy's life, a slice of this guy's life, and what he's dealing with. And yeah. I like that, and I appreciate that. And especially because it's from a different time. And it's giving us insight. And, and I think one of the big things about this movie was that it was portraying the working class to the mass audiences in a way that the working class didn't often get that treatment on on screen. You know, they would be stock characters or comedy. Uh, you know, you, 
you just spend all your money focusing on the, the lives of the aristocrats and the rich and famous. But no, this movie proves that people had an interest in the working class. And I wonder if that helped resonate out into shows like Coronation Street uh, or, or other like like soaps that, whereas in America, you have a lot of like high class, aristocratic kind of soaps that in Britain, people want to watch lower class stuff because it resonates. Mm-hmm. So, so, so as, two thumbs up. So as for the movie, I would say five stars. Watch it today. Five stars. Five wow. stars. Um, out of 50. Ha! Oh, shit. Take Her that, slam. Albert Finney, in your grave. Oh, wow. Poor, that's two. That's two people now. You've, <laughs> you've just pissed on the memory. But no, of. watch it. It's great. It's uh, like I say, and at ninety minutes, it doesn't really drag. So I will ask you this question though, because it is number fourteen mm-hmm. on the list. How do you feel about that? I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good location. I feel like it might end up being a little higher on my ultimate list. But, higher, uh, up. yeah. You think we'll that's like a higher, like lower down the list or higher up? I think it might be higher up the list. Like, really? Closer to the top. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see. We'll like see. Like where, where a room resides at the, at the top? Possibly. <laughs> maybe where there's a dead bird buried in the fucking sand. I don't know. Um, so I'm, I struggle with it. I, I really liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I thought it was a great kitchen sink drama. I thought Albert Finney is very electric in this yeah. movie. Uh, Rachel Roberts is great, obviously. We've yeah. seen her do do great and two, I, I give her the edge in this one I think I mean she's great in the other one but this one really I yeah think she's really a lot more off. tortured in the other one yeah, um, yeah I don't know I, I, I think I think I, I think I like her performance a little bit more in The Sporting Life mm-hmm. but she's really good in this um, I don't know about 14 though mm-hmm. That that's what I'm wondering about like that yeah. seems really high to me right now um, it is very good but like three notches below Bridge on the River Kwai I don't know I don't know man I, I think I think this movie's probably an iconic movie in Britain. Thirteen notches yeah. above Doctor Zhivago. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh no, I mean I, I don't know. It, fourteen seems high to me right now. I mean, of course we'll when we get back to it when I think about it a little more, let it ruminate, we'll see where it lands. But Absolutely. it does seem a little high. And I think that's I think it's like what you said. I and think that, this this movie probably holds a high cultural touchstone yeah. in Britain. Absolutely. That we're just not aware of as Canadians. Absolutely. And if it does, if we have any British listeners, please inform us. Let us know yes. uh, what your memories of growing up with uh, uh, this movie bouncing around your house is. Watching it on VHS tape on your pal TV. Yeah. C- tell us how you contributed to the U.S. rentals. That's right. You British people <laughs> in America. Um, okay. Well, I mean, that was, that was, a good, that was good. Yeah, it was. It was, was uh, again, not a movie I would watch on my own, but I'm glad I did. And now let's review really the episode we just did. Uh, oh, it was good. We, Jason, I'm going to give you high marks across the board. I'm going to I'm going to rate my Alec Guinness impression as pretty pretty solid. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we have covered this movie, we need to find out, Jason, where we're going next. Yes, it's time to roll the dice. Let's do this. We are going to roll the dice. So I believe it is my roll. It is your roll. It is my roll. I am going to roll this dice. These dice. I have a ones d10 and a tens d10. All right. I'm going to get a number on the BFI top 100. Jason is going to cross check it for me. Cross reference. Don't re roll it because my bus is coming. <laughs> we have to watch. Uh, if we have to watch Women in Love again. We're going to do it. God damn it, no. Um, I'm going to roll the tens d10 first. And then the ones D10, and we're going to find out what movie on the BFI Top 100 that we are watching next week. Here we go. Oh, we're in the Audis. We're right up top. Oh, okay. Up so top, a one, brother. one to nine. One That's to nine. Right. One to nine. What are we looking for? Number five. Great Expectations. 1946. David Lean. Back to the Lean Man. All right. We are up top. We are up high. We are going to watch us some up more top, David Lean. Up top, my brother. Lean. 
Booyah. Great expectations. Wow. Okay, that's quite a jump. Uh, well, not really. We are 14. But <laughs> yeah, so okay. Next week, great expectations. Number five on the BFI Top 100. Let's We'll check it out, and we'll report back with our findings. Jason, they can find us on Facebook at for, by searching for Screen and Country. And they can find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. And you'll find Jason on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Where he talks about the things that he's angry about. I'm so angry. Uh, but Jason, other than that, now that we've gotten that out of the way, I have one thing to say to you. God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screen and country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. I'm furious. I'm Jason. And country? Yes. Where are the steady boys now? Where are the steady boys now? The real green boys with the ace, the train bikes and the blue suede, beatniks with long clothes on, and coffee bars and I'm Jay Betts. And I'm Michael. And we're the hosts of a very thought-provoking show called The What If Podcast. On it, we'll explore the big and little what-ifs of life and steer our listeners toward a better understanding of the real or hypothetical situations we might find ourselves in. Or not. On our journey, we'll learn interesting facts and fictions about the everyday world. And sometimes, most of the times, we'll dive headlong into rabbit holes that slide up against the subject and sharply turn away from it. Come along with us. We'll have fun and learn something new together. New episodes release every other Tuesday. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, and anywhere fine podcasts are archived. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love your movies. We love the bad ones too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh yeah. Banana, 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 Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With a one last plot holes and gratuitous boobies, it's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy at eilfm.podbean.com.